0: All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to the Resurrection Classic, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, I'm probably going to change the outlines, brother, so we'll do the cover page. And that's about it. I apologize to those watching by way of internet, because I know you follow those outlines closely. And uh, we'll probably not go with it this, tonight, because the Lord's changed my direction a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to read just the last few verses of this Resurrection Classic. It kind of sums up and challenges us because the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, what kind of life we ought to live. I think it's only our reasonable service that we give everything to God. I think it's our reasonable service that we realize that he took our hell and he took our sin debt and he proved it by receiving it at the resurrection and thus we ought to have some uh, uh, faithfulness in our life. And that's what these last few verses of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talk about. Let's start with verse 51. Verse 51. Let's stand on the word of God. 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We ought to have that on the nursery window. It says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, that's quick, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when corruptible shall be put on incorruption, and this mortal shall be put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, Where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, therefore. What's therefore about? What's before? It says, therefore, because of the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good song service. Thank you for the good special that reminds us of the brevity of life. Lord, we thank you, dear God, for the resurrection. Lord, it's not just on Easter Sunday. It's every Sunday we celebrate your life. <clears throat> and your life within us, and God, that we're going to have life eternal, and Lord, thank you for this admonition at the end of this classic chapter to be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, so Lord, please bless and give us strength to preach, and we'll thank you and praise you for your anointing, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to review the whole chapter real quick, and I won't be long because we got a meeting afterwards, and... And uh, I'm very tired, but I hope I'll give it my all. But uh, number one, we see the evidence of the resurrection in verses one through 11. Now folks, this is so wonderful that uh, over 500 people saw the resurrected Lord. It only takes two in a court of law to establish a fact. Here's 500 people, uh, the Bible says in verse six, above 500 brethren. And then also Paul he begins to testify in verse 7 to 11 that he saw the Lord and that he was the least among the, the, the um, apostles because he persecuted the church, verse 9. But it says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know what the grace of God is? The grace of God is unmerited favor, but I want to tell you something, the grace of God changed your life. And folks, we ought to have a changed life. It ought not be um, any. Demand on our life to be separated unto God and to be uh, sanctified and satisfied with his presence. And because he's alive. And then we see uh, the essentialness of the resurrection, verse 12 through 19. Uh, There'd be no preaching without the resurrection. There'd be no faith. There'd be no hope. And there'd be no life. Uh, The Bible says if we have only hope in Christ uh, in this life, we are of all men most miserable. That means if you're just living for this day, then you're most miserable. If you're out of the will of God, you're most miserable. If you're just living for what you can get out of this life instead of the next life, you're most miserable. Then uh, I see number three, the emancipation in the resurrection. Not only the evidence and the, and the essentialness, but there's a, there's a freedom. Uh, look at verse 20. It says, but now... It's Christ risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of them that sleep. And you know that points back to Leviticus where they brought the first fruit offering and the first sheaves guaranteed the rest of the harvest would come. And so um, we see the the freedom that gives us. Look at verse 21. It says, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, our great-grandparents Put a death sentence on us. It says, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen? And that's the only way you can be alive is be born again. Be born from above. Verse 23 is a wonderful verse. It says, but every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. And so I see the guarantee of the resurrection one day we're going to be coming up out of the grave because Jesus came out of the grave. And folks, listen, that is exciting, is that we are going to be released from this old earth and we're going to soar high. And uh, folks, I'll fly away. That old song says, amen. And I want to tell you something, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are on me shall be caught up. That's the word rapture, where we get the word rapture. And so the guarantee of the rapture is that he overcame death. He overcame the grave, and we're the second fruits. Amen? And the Bible says in uh, uh, verse 26, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And so, folks, we're free from the last enemy. Look at verse 25. Excuse me, I skipped that. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. I don't know if you got the point this morning, but I tried to make it clear, is that death did not take Jesus. Jesus took death and made it a passageway to glory. He used death, amen? And now death has got a different uh, viewpoint for us. It's a passageway, it's being received. Folks, death is a graduation. Death is a departure into a far better place. Death is a, a wonderful... Uh, experience for the Christian. Now, I'm not trying to get up a load tonight, and we're not trying to rush it. My wife says I am the way I drive. I think I'm getting worse at driving than I used to be. She's shaking her little head, yes. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how I could get worse. <laughs> but, you know, uh, folks, listen. I'm not trying to rush it, but I'm going to tell you something. When it happens, it's going to be a celebration time. Amen? It's going to be a resurrection and it's just like the ritual that priest performed when a leper came to cleanse. They put a clay jar. Birds don't belong in clay jar. They belong in heaven. And so because he came down from heaven and became a man, and that's what that symbolized in Leviticus chapter 14, as where he put himself in a clay jar so we might uh, overcome death. And then they would release those birds in the air. The blood-stained living bird would be released. And that's a picture of the resurrection In Leviticus chapter 14. And so, folks, we see we're free from the last enemy, but we're free from the lostness of eternity. I'll never spend one day in hell, and neither will you, because Jesus took your hell for you. Isn't that something to be grateful about? But more than just grateful, it means we ought to be faithful. Faithful. It's only our reasonable service. And then verse 27 and 28, we're free from the lordship of evil. We're free from the lordship of evil. Look at verse uh, twenty-seven, please. Uh, the Bible says, "For he hath put all things under his feet." But when he saith, "All things are under his him," it is manifest that he ex- accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall be uh, the, the Son of God also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Folks, we, we have the Lord God Almighty as our Lord, and nothing else should be Lord, especially sin. You know, some people are shackled by sin. Some people are shackled by trying to find self-acceptance in the things of this world, and it's sad. It disturbs me how wicked and perverse this generation is becoming and that people are actually trying to shake their fist at God and change their gender, and and it's just so sad. It's so sad. And folks, they're in the lordship of popular opinion. They're in the lordship of some other some other politician's opinion that it's not wrong. But folks, the Lord gives us victory over all evil. We're saved past tense, present tense, and future tense. We're saved from the dominion of sin. Because up from the grave he arose, arose and he ripped the shackles and the chains of sin uh, from our soul when we received the Lord as our Savior. So there's freedom in the resurrection. It's essential, the resurrection. And the evidence of the re- re- resurrection is, is so overcoming. It's 500 people plus his brother uh, James. And 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 then Paul gives this wonderful testimony in verse 8 through uh, uh Eleven, that he saw the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus. And God changed his life. But I want you to see the effects of the resurrection just for a second. And I'm trying to be practical tonight because I want us to take the resurrection and let it change our life. I want you to look at verse 31. And this is all review to get to the text, so I won't be too long. But look at verse 31. The Bible says, we're in 1 Corinthians 15 for you that just came in. It says in uh, verse 31, it says, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. I die daily. I want to tell you why you ought to die daily. Because your self is not enough. Sin will never satisfy. In order for you to experience the resurrection, resurrected life, you must die to self. See, the resurrected Spirit of God's not going to live through your life if you're living for yourself. If you're living to please yourself. If you're living to be fulfilled by yourself. And so thank God, folks, we die daily. And we have the power to die daily because the Spirit of God mortifies the deeds of the flesh. And then we should diligently stand for His glory. Look at verse 32. Verse 32. It says, And after the matter of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, that advantage what advantage it me if if the dead rise not let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die and folks we see that there is a there's a stand against the beast of Ephesus that's religion and that's cults and that's the wicked uh, influence of the world and we need to diligently stand for his glory in verse 33 another effect of the resurrection is that we ought to be diligently delightfully separated. Look at verse 33. But be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Evil communication corrupt. What's that doing in the middle of the resurrection classic? I'll tell you why. If you're alive unto God, you ought to be dead to this world. If you're alive unto God, your your greatest desire is to please God, not man, and please God, not yourself. Amen? Thank God for that. We are delightfully separated. Why? Because the one that died for you and was buried and arose for you calls you to himself. And so separation is not just turning from the world. Mormons do that. Cults do that. It's turning to God with all your heart. It's loving God more than the world. It's loving God more than sin. It's loving God more than yourself. And so, folks, the effects of the resurrection is we ought to die daily. We ought to diligently stand for his glory against all the adversaries of the devil. And there's many of them. But we ought to delightfully be separated. And then the essence of the resurrection, and I want to deal with this just a few minutes. In verse 36 through 40, we have a glorified body. 36 through 50, really. The Bible says, Thou food, that that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not, that the body shall be be but a bare grain, it shall change of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body, as he hath pleased him, to every seed his own body. In other words, we're going to know each other in heaven. Amen? And look at verse 39, and all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh, of the of the men, another flesh of the beast, another flesh of the fish, another birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. And there is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star is different from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now here's the point it is sown in corruption. But it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, <coughs> but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised, amen, <coughs> in power. And verse 50 says this, <coughs> for, let me go back up to verse uh, 45, 44. It's sown in a natural body, is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That's the Lord. How be it that that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural and afterwards that which is spiritual. Now hold, hold on, I'll, I'll get to the point. The, man, the first man is of earthly, earthly, earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And the earthly shall, uh, such are also that are earthly, and, and as it is the heavenly, but, but such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we have also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, neither does corruption inherit corruption. Folks, we're going to have a glorified body. And I want to tell you something, folks, it's going to be wonderful. Uh, That body is going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, For our conversation is heaven, from hence also we look for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But verse 21, it gets more exciting. Philippians chapter 3, Who shall change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto the glorious body, According to the working thereby he is able even to subdue all things in himself. First John three, two sums it up. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall know but we shall know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, folks, in John chapter twenty, he went through a wall and said, Peace be unto you. I know it scared the hound out of all the disciples that Sunday night. Thomas was skipping. He missed the blessing of his presence. In Luke chapter 24, he stopped and ate in his glorified body. He stopped and dined with the, 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 the uh, disciples on the Emmaus Road. And so we're going to have a glorified body that we're going to be able to go where we want to and we're going to eat and not gain weight. No, I don't know if we're going to do that or not. Uh, we're going to have a good time. Everything's going to be satisfying. And so, folks, listen, your your, your, your um, loved ones up in heaven is not some force, not some ghost. It's going to be a wonderful time. and It's going to be a wonderful place. And, folks, it'll be a different body. It's not fleshly. It'll be uh, not corruptible. It'll be incorruptible. It'll be not dishonorable. It'll be honorable. And it won't be mortal. It'll be immortal. And it won't be fleshly. It'll be spiritual. And Luke chapter 24 talks about he went through locked doors and, and he ate. And so it's going to be exciting. I can't figure it all out, but I know this. It's going to be a lot better than this body. I never thought I'd get slow and um, have to go to a chiropractor. I didn't ever think I'd ever uh, be sick a lot. But the older I get, the more I'm going downhill. But you know what that reminds me of? Praise God, One day. I'm going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye and have a glorified body. No more aches, no more pains, no more fatigue. Can you imagine uh, total vitality with a glorified body? Can you imagine total insight and total uh, intelligence? Sometimes our mind fails us. Now, I ain't gone that far yet, but our minds failed us, and it broke my heart with the prayer request in the prayer room of loved ones that their minds is failing even they 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 don't even remember to eat and it breaks your heart and folks i want to tell you something we're going to one day get sick and die but the next moment when we when we come go into the presence of god we'll have a glorified body we'll have a we'll have a we'll have a, a celestial body we'll have a, a an immortal body and what a blessing that'll be but i want you to see in closing, the excitement of the resurrection. Folks, this is so wonderful, and I hope it happens to every one of y'all. We're going to bypass death. Now, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Say amen. I'm not scared of dying. It's the, I mean death. It's the dying I ain't looking forward to. Amen. I didn't mean to be humorous tonight, but I want to tell you something, friend. I hope the rapture takes place before I die. You say, you copping out. No, I'm just ready to go up. Amen? And I believe that this world cannot get any worse. I never thought we'd live in a day and age in the greatest country in America, the greatest country in the world, excuse me, in such corruption, such perversion, such wickedness in high places and in low places. It is sickening what's going on in our country today. And folks, I believe it's a sign of the time. Iniquity shall abound. We'll live in perilous times. I believe we're in the very last seconds, maybe days of the of the before the rapture. Amen. It can't get much worse. Maybe it will and probably will. But I want you to look at verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, folks, it's not a mystery to us because we've studied 1 Thessalonians. We've studied Luke 14 14. We've studied 1 John 2 28. Where it says we'll face the Lord with confidence or be ashamed, in a twinkling of an eye, we just studied that in a twinkling of an eye. We'll study that in just a second. But it, folks, listen, I'll show you a mystery. To the Old Testament saints, they didn't know, they didn't see the rapture. All they saw was the death, burial, and resurrection. There was a mystery to them. But look at this: We shall not all sleep. That means die. We shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling. Of an eye. That's one ten thousandth of a second. At the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. What will we be changed from? For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. We're going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye from corruptible to incorruptible. From mortal immortal. And folks, it's going to be exciting. I believe the rapture is one of the most exciting doctrines in the Bible. And some people don't even believe in it. And then some people think it's in the middle of the tribulation. God help you. God God help us if we believe that we're going to spend half of the tribulation on this earth under persecution and tribulation and and, uh, judgment. Folks, we're out of here. We're going to be out of here before the first day of the tribulation. Amen? <laughs> I believe in that with all my heart. But I want you to see that um, the Bible says not corruptible but incorruptible. Not dishonorable but honorable. Not mortal but immortal. And uh, we're going to be changed. and It's going to be a blessed hope. What is that hope? That one day we'll hear the trumpet of God sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now here's what I have wanted to get to and I reviewed the whole chapter. Just to get to this one point. In verse 54, it's like a song. It says, So when the corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. We can't swallow up death, but God, the Lord Jesus Christ, did at Calvary. And folks, there's victory over death. Isn't that wonderful? There's victory over death and there's victory over sin because it says this. It says, O death, where's thy sting? O grave, where's thy victory? The sting of, of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. <clears throat> but thanks be to God which gives us, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've covered a lot of territory about the glorified body, about the rapture, but I going to tell you something. It all comes down to this. You've got victory over death, victory over sin, Victory over the grave. What are you going to do about it? Well, here it is. In verse 58, therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. You might can find that last slide, brother. On this, But I want to tell you something, it doesn't matter because we don't have to have it on the wall every time, as long as I got it in my heart. But I want to tell you something, folks, there ought to be some steadfastness in sorrow. Uh, because he lives, we can face today. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And folks, we can face sorrow. I'll tell you what makes you different than most Christians, we die different. What What makes you different than most people in this world? we mourn different we mourn but we get over it and i don't mean just get over you'll never get over losing your loved one but you don't have abnormal mourning where you just it just affects your life and you're down and out and you and and, and i've seen this lately where people are neglecting the living and their children feel like their mom or daddy's died because they're so they're mourning and i think you ought to mourn I've never lost a child, so I can't pass judgment on that. But I want to tell you something, friend. We have to realize where they're at. And we need to be steadfast in our sorrow. And number two, we need to be steadfast against satanic opposition. Um, The first prophecy of the crucifixion is found in Genesis 3.15 where the Lord said, I'll bruise his head, but he'll just bruise my heel. That was a mortal wound. It's the first prophecy of um, the victory over Satan that was won at Calvary. And folks, I want you to know this. God wants us to pay attention to the greatness of his power. But not just pay attention to it. He wants us to draw from the power of God. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1. I think I referred to this a couple of weeks ago, but I've already forgot. So maybe you all have. But look at Ephesians chapter 1, please. And I want you to look at verse 19 very carefully. Ephesians 19, i I'll close. We'll close a little early tonight. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Y'all know the acrostic? I'm sure you do. Go everywhere preaching the gospel. Right, Brother Gabe? Amen. Praise God. Not General Electric Power Company. That's too worldly. I gave that up. Amen. But look at Ephesians chapter 1. G-E-P-C. And I want you to look at verse 19. Ephesians 1 and verse 19. The Bible says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us? Isn't that a great question? What kind of power is in your life? What kind of power do you have available to your life? It says, who believed according to the working of his mighty power, which was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him on the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in in that which is to come. And put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all the things of the church, which is the body, (coughs) the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I want to tell you something, Christ fills you all in all. He fills you to overflowing, and I want to tell you something, friend. We can be steadfast against satanic opposition. Greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. But what kind of power is it? It's a power of the resurrection. So don't say you can't whip the devil. Don't say you can't rebuke the devil. Don't say you can't rebuke your little habits. Amen. Uh, you need to realize that you've got more power in you because it's the same power that resurrected the Lord from the dead and you can be a more than a conqueror through him. Now, in closing, we need to be not only steadfast in our against Satan, but we need to be stable in our character. It says unmovable. Unmovable. You know what I want to be? I just want to be consistent. I want to be faithful. I want to be predictably faithful for God's glory. And, folks, the reason is he was faithful to me. and he, And he died on the cross. And he took your sin debt and he paid it all. And then up from the grave he arose and he promises us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think power within us called the resurrection power. So we need to be unmovable. We need to be faithful in light of his faithfulness. It's only your reasonable service that you give your all to God every day. Some people think it's an exception to, if, you know, somebody's a fanatic or sells out, but I going to tell you something, the root word fanatic is fan. That means ardent follower and count me in. I'm an ardent follower of the one that went to hell for me and died on the cross and praise God, overcame death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Last but not least, and this is what this, this is, therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the, what? Work of the Lord. For we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that song, and it goes right along with the message. Y'all didn't know what I was preaching, but the Holy Spirit did. What a song. Only one life, so soon it will pass. And I want to tell you something. If you live for yourself, you're going to disappoint yourself. If you live for others, they're going to disappoint you. But if you'll live for Christ, it's never empty. It's never empty. It's always abounding. And folks, uh, it, it will be worth it all, as the song says. It will be worth it all, is that we give our whole life to God. Even if God called us to be a martyr like many have died for the faith, it would be worth it. And so, folks, we I don't believe God will call us to give our physical life, but he calls us to die daily, come out from among them and be separate, love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. And folks, therefore, beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abound in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, I feel like I've totally failed covering these 58 verses because they're so, so wonderful, so deep. But I want to tell you something, friend. After all God has done for you, shouldn't you do something for Him? Shouldn't you serve Him? Shouldn't you love to be in church? Shouldn't you love to read your Bible? Shouldn't you love to go out and knock on doors and tell people about a risen Lord? You know, these cults are more faithful than we are, and their God is dead. They, they, there's not one uh, cult that worships the living God. They're all in the grave. Muhammad's in the grave. Joseph Smith's in the grave. But our Savior, our Lord, is not in the grave. He ever liveth on the right hand of God, He's interceding for you. He's praying for you right now. And all he wants you to do is be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for the privilege and opportunity to preach on the resurrection one more time in a practical sense. God, I know that soon you're gonna resurrect us up and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and main shall be caught up. And I pray for that. God, if you take us by death, as you did Brother Allen, God, may we have a soul-winning Bible where we got some names in the front of it, where we led somebody to the Lord through the ministries of Whitfield Baptist Church. Thank you for that. Thank you for the encouragement that Brother Chris was to us this afternoon, bringing out that little old soul-winning Bible. And all the groceries and all the wealth and all the houses and all the things that were accomplished in, in Alan Petty's life doesn't even compare to those 14 or 15 souls that he led to the Lord and probably many more. doesn't compare for the times he worshipped in spirit and truth. It doesn't compare to writing out that tithe check as his last check before he died. Oh, God, thank you that only what's done for Christ will last. And it'll last because you will guarantee it, you will bless it, you will anoint it with your resurrection power through us. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to try to live this Christian life in our own power, in our own strength. God, that we have resurrection power. So, Lord... It's only our reasonable service that we become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto thee. And God, please help us never to have the attitude that we're doing you a favor serving you. But God, you're doing us a favor of letting us serve you. And thank you, dear God, for the unmerited favor of Calvary, of the empty tomb, of the resurrection. With every head bowed and every eye closed, have me to say tonight, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. But I need to let it affect my life more. I need to be abounding, steadfast, unmovable, in the labor that's never vain, that's never useless. It'll always count. It'll always last. I just want to rededicate my life to... uh, Serving God in the power of the resurrection. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? I've got to raise mine. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your power. We thank you for the power of the resurrection. God, may you dwell in our hearts, and you do if we're saved. God, would you fill our hearts? Would you fill our lives to overflow it? God, may we somehow, some way, win somebody to the Lord this week. God, help us to have the holy boldness to hand out a tract. God, to tell the message of the gospel to someone that's dying in their sins, that's going to bust hell wide open if they don't get saved. God, help us to get a burden for the lost because one day we were that way. You picked us up. We passed from death unto life. What a miracle salvation is. Thank you, Lord, for resurrecting us from the dead in our sins and trespasses and giving us life, life abundant and life eternal. So, Lord, it's only our reasonable service that we yield more of our lives to thee. tonight. In Jesus' name we pray.